No, no intro. We're not going to because an intro would require a little bit of editing work. And based on what we just saw, I don't think the Flyers deserve it. So welcome in. We're going to call this the emergency episode. We very rarely have done emergency episodes in the history of the show. I think originally we were planning on waiting until after the Flyers got done this game against the Rangers. And I think that we were going to take a look at the schedule going forward. And we thought, all right, well, you know, a, a late week drop isn't the worst thing in the world. It'll be totally fine. And we would make sure that, you know, regardless of whatever the outcome of this game was, we weren't going to overreact. But, um, you know, we couldn't. We couldn't wait until after tomorrow's game against the Islanders. Or for some of you, you're going to listen to it on Thursday. We couldn't wait because we just watched a 9-0 drubbing of this team on the second half of a two games and three nights set against the New York Rangers, who they had to beat in overtime on a ridiculous Jake Voracek uh, two-minute stretch on the ice. And then they came out and they got stomped. Anthony. Yeah. You covered you covered the team for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, people are upset. Should they be upset? I mean, in the moment, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's this was a terrible game. It was poorly played. There was no compete. There was one mistake after another after another. The second period has to go down as one of the worst periods in Flyers history. Um, it's it's just it was just bad all the way. There was not a good thing, and you know there wasn't any anything to say after the game. I mean, you know, Elaine Vino is usually pre pre loquacious after after games. Didn't have much to say tonight. Giroux didn't have anything to say. Sanheim didn't have anything to say other than I have to be better. I was on the ice for a lot of goals. He was on the ice for seven of the nine. Um, it, it was it was as poor an outing as I've seen the Flyers have in at least 14 years. I mean, probably since they lost a similar game in Buffalo right before Ken Hitchcock got fired in, in 2006. Um, that might be such so 15 years almost. Um, so yeah, it was that bad of a game. The, the thing that I think is where I'm going to be different than you and, and probably the entire flyer fan world is that I'm just going to give you the, the, the notion that I've seen teams come back from games like this before it doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world we shouldn't be firing the coach because they lost nine to nothing we shouldn't be trading our best players because the flyers lost nine to nothing it was as bad a game as i've seen as bad a game as i've seen almost any hockey team play in in that long okay um just dreadful it's the first time a team gave up um, nine goals in two period in the first two periods of a game since 2003 goes to show you how long it, I mean it's just really really bad but in in and of itself and I'm going to sound like a, a little bit of a cliche here it is just one game and I think that it's important and I asked this question I didn't really get the answer you know an answer that I wanted but I asked this question uh, to Vino and kind of a little bit the same way I, I reworded it but try to ask Giroux um you know, when a team is, is playing bad and they don't realize they're playing bad, like this team had been, um, they sometimes need a kick in the teeth to, to open their eyes to the fact that, damn, we aren't playing the way we're supposed to be playing. And I, I look at this loss as a loss that can, that can really wake them up. And if it doesn't, then they're in trouble. I, I think that we, we, we've reached Waterloo here, okay? We've reached, we've reached the, the tipping point. So 
it, in some ways, this game, when we look back on this season, maybe we look back at it and say it was a good thing that happened. Or we're going to sit there and say this was the sinking of the Titanic, right? I mean, it's one or the other. There is no middle ground with it. So it, it can be that. You know, and I did ask that. I did ask, you know, you know, if you remember Vino and Drew both came out and said we're trending in the right direction. Well, this is certainly not the right direction. This this canceled any of that goodwill of, you know, playing the right way but still losing games, canceled that right out. Okay. You're back to kind of square one after after tonight. But maybe, you know, and if you remember, we went go back a few games when I was asking guys if it was time for desperation, if it was time for a sense of urgency. And I got, I, I got no's. I, I literally, I got stunningly got no's from players that no, not yet. We're not, we're not there yet. You know, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, guess what? Now it has to be. Now you need desperation. Now you need ur- a sense of urgency. And if we don't see that tomorrow, then I might change my tune. Then I might be, you know, you know, get the lifeboats ready for everybody. But in the moment, I can understand why fans are upset. I can understand why, you know, they want to they want to burn it to the ground at this point. Wait for the wait for the reaction from the team before you do. That's all I'm asking. That's all I say, because I, I do think that sometimes these kinds of games. Turn it around for a team. And I was trying to think back of to one and the only one that really came, you know the first one that really came to mind wasn't even hockey um but it, it was a football game and it involved the eagles and they were playing I, it was the 49ers in i want to say it was 94 and charlie garner went nuts on in that game i think he had over 200 yards rushing or whatever they beat the 49ers in san francisco 40 to 8 steve young got pulled and benched in the game um I think the 49ers at that point were three and three or something along those lines. They didn't lose a game the rest of the season and won the Super Bowl. So sometimes you have a team that can kind of wake up. Now, I'm not saying this is a champion Stanley Cup championship team right now, but if they can, in fact, respond, they I mean, if, if you're playing poorly, if you're Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim, who are both a minus six tonight, I know we don't like to talk plus minus, because guess what? That's not a good stat if you ask the analytics community. It's not. Um, the team was a combined minus 40 tonight. I've never seen that on a score sheet. I really have. I've, I've never, never seen a team be minus 40 on a score sheet, but I saw it tonight. Um, those are horrible, horrible statistics, but Let's see what they do tomorrow. If they come out and play the same, we've seen the same mistakes, same problems tomorrow, then I think that, you know, it's that's when it's red alert that things are, are not going to get better. Because if you can't find it within yourself as a, as a hockey player to give your best effort and play your best game after an embarrassment of an ass kicking like tonight, then then you don't, you know, you probably don't deserve to be on a winning team. And so I, so I just ask for 24 hours from the fans. Give it 24 hours, see how your team responds before you get ready to blow up this organization. So there are a few uh, pertinent points to make here. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, 
we're we're just removed from the game, so I didn't get to you know do a full deep dive in every game that's ever been played in the NHL. But as of 2018, do you know how many games were played to a nine and zero result? Not many. Forty seven games that's in the history lot. of the more NHL. Than, that's more than I more than I thought to be honest. Yeah, with you. well, so I have to. I'll be honest. Like I was kind of rooting for the tenth one because there had only been nineteen games up until 2018 that got to 10 0. Um, well, it's not, I, I don't think there was a 9-0 in the last two years. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, even worst case scenario, maybe two or three. So maybe 50. Maybe this is like the 50th. Um, I had a friend who's a very, a very close friend who's a Rangers fan send me a text around the seventh goal and said, has it really gotten this bad for the Flyers? He doesn't pay attention to the Flyers at all, despite living in Delco. Make sense of that. Um, it's impossible. But he said, is this a fireable offense game? Like, is this the thing that you see some heads roll because of how embarrassing it is? And I always like to kind of go with the juxtaposition of things because I think that that's, I think optics are, are really important. So tonight, Philadelphia had two teams playing on national TV. You had the Flyers playing on NBCSN and you had the Sixers playing on ESPN. Sixers lost in overtime. The Sixers um, should be receiving a gift basket soon from the Flyers to take a little bit of the heat off. Because if they go out and win in a definitive way, which is what they were trending toward until they collapsed in the second half of their game and kind of in overtime, this Flyers game would stand out even more stark, more starkly. Now, 9 nothing is going to look terrible. 10 nothing is beyond comical when you're just looking at it as it's going across you know, the lower, the lower Chiron. Um, I, I brought up a while ago that if this team can't bring in help, if this team is unable to fortify a defensive core that I think at this point, we are now beyond the realm of a small sample size argument at, at this point in the season, this team has some real issues on their back end. And if you're not going to make that move, you you're doing organizational malpractice to not start exploring what some options are that make sense in the short term. And can you maximize any of your assets that are at a higher value right now than they might ever be? And the Ekholm thing that we brought up last week, it sounded great because at the time you're thinking, all right, if you can fortify the top four, if you can get Ivan Provorov, somebody who's reliable next to him, and hope that you can bring last year's Ivan Provorov next to Matt Niskanen back, and not so much of the up and down Ivan Provorov of eighteen nineteen, which I think we've seen this year, well, then automatically that that's going to raise you to the next level. Sure, you would need some kind of decent play from your goalies, which you have not gotten now in about a week. There were moments where Carter Hart, um, a couple games ago looked okay and was just left hung out to dry by his team. So I don't think that the, the score line was really fair to him on Monday night. Brian Elliott tonight. I mean, I, I tweeted it out. You laughed at it, but like that back post has just been free real estate, no matter who's in goal for this team. I don't know how you have two guys in Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers who are as big as they are, who should be as physically as imposing as, as they should be that just get bullied, either get bullied in the crease or make poor reads on plays and are just out of position. 
And at some point, I think it's fair if you're if you're a fan or if you're somebody who's analyzing this team to think, all right, this whole Ekholm thing, like a, a big part of it is people saying, well, you're going to have to cut a side deal with Seattle because you don't want to leave a Travis Sanheim or a Phil Myers exposed. I want to believe in the promise of those two. I really do. But 27 games into the season, are we seeing a pair of players that have improved? No. Are we seeing a pair of players that have plateaued? I don't think so. I think if anything, we've seen different versions of regression. Now, I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's on the players themselves. I I don't know how to explain it. Because they went from looking like a dynamic pairing a season ago where you started to say, all right, in theory, you've got Provorov in that top pair. You have a really solid second pair. Even if you had to split them up at some point, that's still two that you can rely on. And then you thought, all right, you got to plug three other holes. One's Niskin and retired. And this team didn't do it in the offseason. And now when you have guys that are regressing, in theory, this should have been a season where those young guys take another step And when you combine that with seasons that we've seen out of like a James Van Riemsdyk, who you went into the season expecting little to nothing from, Joel Farabee, who has not had a sophomore slump, when you put those things together, this team should be better than they are. And this team should not go out and get embarrassed. 9-0 on national TV. It just can't happen. It just can't. Well, I mean, it did. So, I mean, and it does. I mean, it does happen. I mean, you know, how many times are you watching a national game on – ESPN and the NBA where somebody loses by 30, right? I mean, it happens, right? I mean, that, basketball is different than hockey. 30 points is what I'm saying. I mean, it, you get, you get even, blown even out 30 your, points in basketball that, I mean, that happens more often than no, a guys, teams get blown this. out all the time, whether it's on national TV or not is your, to me is irrelevant. Okay. Okay. So then like, let's stick with the nine Oh. Okay. Wait. I mean, do we, I mean, we can, we can keep expanding that. Like I can keep giving you numbers on like, a nine goal disparity between teams. It drops even farther down. Like this isn't something that happens a lot. Not, not by this stretch. You want to say like a six O or a seven O game by all means, I will gladly stand next to you and say, yes, that happens quite a bit in hockey. It has happened a bunch, a seven, one loss, a six to one loss, and even an eight to one loss, eight to two. Fine. Nine, nothing says a lot. So it, it says a lot about your compete level. And it says a lot about your ability to adapt to a bad situation and stop the bleeding. This team did not do that through two periods. Uh, Peter Laviolette's first year uh, as first game, I believe, as a coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. They lost eight to nothing to the Capitals on home ice. And they only went to the Stanley Cup final that year. Sure. First game of the season. No, it wasn't the first game of the season. First game of him as coach. What was the the the, the team? The team got uh, the team was playing bad. And they got fired John Stevens and replaced him with uh, Peter Laviolette. How That's many games in the season was that? I don't, I don't remember. Know. It was in like mid-November, early December, something like that. I forget when, when it was exactly. But my point is, is that it can happen. You know, a, a losing 9 nothing tonight didn't eliminate the Flyers from the playoffs. It didn't I'm not saying that it did. Well, no, but that's what I'm, but we're, this is why I'm trying to tell you is there can't be an overreaction just because it was an awful loss. I'm telling you, it was the worst game I've watched in more than a decade, almost 15 years. I get that. And, and I'm not disagreeing with anyone who says that it's bad. And it's as bad as it gets for a single game. And what it what tonight to me has been, is it's been a, this is the snowball finally 
rolling to the bottom of the hill. It's been coming. We've been seeing it. Maybe the team didn't see it. We've been yelling through the megaphones to, the, to them as they're skiing down the hill. Look out. The avalanche is coming behind you. They're just laughing along. Ha, ha, ha. Not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then it happens. Right? And then it happens and it hits them. It hit them tonight. What I'm saying is, is that until we see what happens over the course of the next I mean, tomorrow night for sure, but over the course of I mean, the next three games against the Islanders, I mean, these are hu- three huge games. Over the course of these next three games, what if they suddenly start playing great hockey again? Do we forget the 9 nothing game? Do we just sit there and say, oh, it was an anomaly? Or do we sit there and say, that's the way, that was the wake-up call? You know? What, what, what do we say then? Or if they play terribly or, or continue to be mediocre at best and not really show much, many signs of life, then we sit there and say, guess what? 9 nothing showed us that this team is significantly flawed not just partially flawed, like we may have thought. So I, I think you do realize that, like there, there are going to be excuses made though. Like if, if this team, what excuses? If this team, well, I'm saying if this team loses, like say two of the next games against the Islanders, and they play relatively close games, but they still end up getting beaten twice, the argument's going to be, well, you know, this Islanders team is the one that took them to seven games last year. This is the Islanders team that eliminated them a year ago. It's also the Islanders I mean, team that just lost their captain for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Okay. I mean, Anders Lee was a huge part of that team, and now all of a sudden he's not there. That's a big loss for the Islanders. Okay. So, I mean, and and I think that the Flyers have reached a point where you can no longer say, well, we're trending in the right direction. Like that excuse, you know, losing games from this point forward, you know, they're three points out of a playoff spot. It's not, it's not a lot. It's a game and a half, right? So it's not a lot to be back. But if you start losing, if you continue to lose games and you fall five, six points back, that's a whole different story. You know, to make up, to make up six points in, in, in 29, 30 games is a lot harder to do than make up three points. So in the grand scheme of things, this loss in the moment, as bad as it was, is no different than losing one nothing or losing a 3-2 shootout or losing, you know, a game where, you know, you were the best team all game and, you got a bad bounce off of somebody's skate and went in and you lose four to two or four to three or something like that. It's, it's no different than any one of those games. I guess it's different than the shootout because you would have gotten a point in the shootout, but you see, but my point is, is that the final score is not indicative. Yeah. Macro macro view. It's not a big deal. And micro view. It's the end of the world. Right. So, so Uh, that's why I'm I'm not screaming. Am I, I am I screaming? I think you expected me to come on here and scream. No, it's because you're tables. tired. It's because you're tired. It's not. I, <laughs> I have plenty of energy. It's just that like. But that's why I, I, I get why. In the middle. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess that's fair. It's just that this, you know, we a week ago, we were talking about scenarios. We were talking about like things setting up perfectly for the Carter Hart redemption tour. And that went to crap. And then it went back to riding Brian Elliott too much again. And that went to crap. And then it went go back to Carter Hart. And yeah, I said two nights ago, he was put in a bad position. He, he did not play as, as poorly this as that final score. This one. No, I'm not saying it was, I'm not saying it was, but if the, if the goal here at some point is to try to build up one or both of your goalies again, at some point you have to play well in front of them. Oh, and yeah. this team has not done it. And so like Brian Elliott, I think will shake it off because he's a 30, he's a 35 year old player. Carter Hart, we said last week, was having a hard time. He was despondent in his post-game press conference. Do you think it was the right... Let, let's go macro for a second. 
do you think that it was the right decision to go to Brian Elliott tonight? No. I and actually, again, we're not hanging, we're not hanging this one on Brian no, Elliott, but like, I, I thought given the way that that Hart played and the way that he was kind of left hanging out, hung out to dry on, on Monday, I thought he would be back in net tonight because I didn't think he played terribly on Monday. Like I, I didn't see the reason yeah. to, to well, do this. I mean, let's put it this way. It turned out that this was the right decision because if Carter Hart started tonight and had to get yanked after allowing five goals, it that could have broken. That could have broken. That could have broken him for the season. So in in retrospect, it was probably the right thing for Elliot to go. But I thought coming in that Hart always plays better against the Rangers. He matches up well against this team. It probably would have been better to go with him in this game and then give Elliot the start tomorrow against the Islanders. But it as, like I said, as it turned out, it doesn't. It didn't really matter. It, it didn't. They could have had Bernie Perrant in his prime in there tonight he wasn't they were going to give up you know five goals and pull the starter and then whatever happened after that you know was going to be a complete downfall you know the the nine goals seven in the second period Mika Zibanejad tying an NHL record with six points in a period um hadn't been done since 1978 only one other player has ever done it Brian Trottier for the Islanders um so I mean like it it it, it didn't matter in in the in the grand scheme if if we can go ahead I was gonna say, if we can agree that all five of these goals weren't on brian elliott specifically mm-hmm. right we're not gonna we're not gonna say that he was horribly out of position and, and was god awful and, and he I, I wants all five of those back no and nor would nor would i put so, any of the four on carter hart tonight either well that's that that's kind of where i'm going though if we can agree that that's the case and you know that there's a chance that you might want to play carter hart tomorrow night against the Islanders. Like if that's the idea, cause you're not going to ride Brian Elliott in back-to-back games after the, the load that he's had to play in the last week. Do you just like, is there a moment where you just say, you know, sorry, Brian, like you're staying in. Well, that was the, I think that's what he was trying to do because they scored the third, the first three goals so quick. It was three goals and 10 shots. I think it was, it was fast. And I yeah. think at that point in normal circumstances, if there wasn't a game tomorrow, he pulls the goalie and makes the switch because your team's still within striking distance. It's not really to say the goalie doesn't have it as much as it is to try and light a fire under the team. That's kind of the response. And so then he leaves him in for goal four, and it's like, oh, boy, I really don't want to put Carter in because we need him tomorrow. And then it's five. I mean, and it was it was so fast. I mean, it, it was, was so fast. It was before yeah. you even reached the halfway point of the game. And at this point, yeah. it's like, do you really want to put – you're, you know, the older goalie out there and let him endure this, you know, isn't this- that, but, and, and, and listen, we, we like Brian Elliott, but isn't that, isn't that what a vet's for? Well, like in, in that it, it is, and it isn't, I don't think, he, I don't think he's going to like storm off and feel like his career is over. No, like, but I, I think at that point it's five, nothing, you know, you're probably not going to come back at that point and win the game. Um, you would need a miracle to score six goals in the last 30 minutes, right? I mean, so you're probably not going to win. You're probably conceding. So the thought process is uh, Carter gets in, he plays a half of a game, just gets some work in, and then he's ready to go for tomorrow. I still think Carter Hart plays the game against the Islanders. The problem was is that he he gave up four goals um, in, in rapid fashion. I mean, in like, you know, I don't know how many shots it was, but it was quick. The first one was on the first shot he saw. I mean, so that was it, it was the team in front this of him. This is what happens when guys are given clear, open shooting lanes while also having little resistance defensively, right? I mean, this 
I guess my my big issue here is they didn't do Elliot any favors. They didn't do Hardy any favors. And like the idea, I, I I hate to be the one who who has to say that like some of these traditional hockey norms are kind of dumb, but like when you've had to pull your goalie as often as this team has had to pull their goalie in the last week, and has had so much up and down goalie play, the whole like lighting a fire under the team, it's not a thing. Like that, that's not the wake up call last week. That could have been a wake up call, but after what we've seen here for a week, like I, I don't, I, I will just kind of end with this. Cause I, I think we've kind of beaten this one enough. I start to worry that some of the tropes that this team goes back to and some of the things this team relies on have begun to grow a little bit stale and that they have the potential to wear thin. Pulling your goalie is one thing. Coming out flat, like, I'm not saying that this is a a time that you need to make a coaching change. I'm not saying it's a time to blow up the front office. I'm not saying any of that. But when things like this happen, and this team hasn't really been able to snap out of it, and this team fell into a malaise in the postseason last year, and this team got jammed up a lot and didn't seem to have answers, and this team still has some of those issues again this year, I do think it's fair to kind of question the process. Like I do think that it's fair that if the answer that we're going to get after most games is going to be, we're trusting in what we're doing. We're going to turn the page. We're going to go, we're going to work hard to get it right. Like at some point that kind of stuff just gets stale. And I, I do worry. I worry that for a team that had Stanley cup aspirations, or at least aspirations of being a top two seed in this division, that when you keep going back to that, well, so many times you're going to get tuned out. And like even a coach like Vino, who has the credit that he does, who has, you know, the gravitas that he has. Like, I don't think they, I, I, I don't do think worry that I don't think they've tuned out the coach. I'm, I'm not saying that they have. I'm saying that if this kind of thing keeps happening, like if this if we're if we're like two, three weeks down the line and this thing is still happening and this team hasn't made an addition to help on the back end. This is not this is not going to fall on the coach's head. This isn't it just it isn't. This is all this is all on the players. These players, you're you you run out of excuses. Okay. They complained about the last coach. They got rid of him. They complained about the general manager. They got rid of him. They complained about the coach before him. They got they, rid of him. They right. complained okay. about the coach before him. They got rid of him. At some point it falls on the players. Okay. This loss is completely on the players. This is not on the coaching staff. No matter what anybody wants to say, this is not on the coaches. Okay. This is on the players and it's going to fall on them. But I'll say this in, in closing, Russ, of all people, you should be thanking the Flyers for this 9 nothing loss tonight. You know why? Because it's I know saved, this is going. It yeah. saved you from having to listen to me bitch and complain that you were watching The Bachelor the other night. On a second screen. On a second screen. And tweeting about The Bachelor and mm-hmm. not putting up clips of goals for my story mm-hmm. that I had to go pull them from Ooh. other places. Uh-huh. They weren't on the Snow the Goalie account. They weren't on yeah. at Joy on Broad. I had I'm searching all over Twitter to find them because I you were too busy watching and commenting on the Bachelor. Uh-huh. So so you can let thank the record the show. You can let thank the record show that you just said that you're upset that I didn't clip the goals for your story, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you do. I I need what's his face who does the the tw- he does the tweet of the Photoshop of like you carrying me as a boulder. I need him to flip that <laughs> just for a day, just because of that admission. All right. I don't know if we're going to be back tomorrow night after the Islanders game, 
Um, I think this one actually went a little bit longer than, than we expected it to. We might come back this week with another episode. Maybe, maybe not. Press Rochelle will be coming back. Uh, when's the next home game? Well, Monday, but I'm not there. Okay, that's right. So not until so Wednesday. Monday I'll, Monday, I'll be covering the game. Probably won't press Rochelle on my own. Um, but Tuesday. Or Tuesday. Tuesday, right. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. there's gonna, this, this, this is going to be a tough stretch for this team. Hopefully they're able – if they win two out of the next three, this game is forgotten. I will tell you this. Tuesday, they play the Rangers again, right? Yeah. Uh, is it Tuesday? No. Tuesday, they play the Devils. Devils. So th- they, so they play Thursday. the Rangers Rangers on Thursday and Thursday, Saturday. Thursday, next Saturday, week. next week. Next Thursday, there might be some fireworks. It's too much time in between. No, it's not. Ooh. Anthony believes retaliation is coming for the blue shirts. Yes. Everybody write that one down. So when it doesn't happen, we can have this conversation again. Yeah, That's fine. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to snow. The goalie, make sure you follow us over on Twitter at snow, the goalie Instagram at snow, the goalie crossing or uh, well, over on crossing broad and the snow, the goalie Facebook pages as well. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon music, Stitcher, Google podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, tell a friend, leave a five-star review. We'll read those on the next show. Thank you for listening. And until next time, that's Ant at Ant San Philly. I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening.